You know, when I got back from Vietnam, I didn't have a lot going for me. No friends, no home, and a town full of cops giving me shit. The only thing that got me through was the Sean Geek podcast, which I download off of SeanMcGinnity.ca, and so should you. That's the Sean Geek Podcast, which you can download from SeanMcGinnity.ca. Do it, or the first blood's going to be yours. Boy, oh boy got something special today something i wanted to do for a long time in fact it's one of the first topics i wanted to cover on this show a long 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 time ago and it has been inspired by cory geek to do this exact episode now cory geek should have been here today for this and i apologize to him profusely this would have been the type of episode to talk about but i believe he might not have been as familiar with this album and because we're in sort of the um, the limbo, the recording limbo, because I just got back from vacation. That's right. I went away. Went to the great city of Edmonton, which I haven't been to since, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, haven't been there in a long time. So it was a random trip. We were going to meet up with the in-laws, as in my wife's sister's family and hang out at West Edmonton mall and do some fun family stuff. And, uh, we had a blast needed the, uh, the mental recuperation period of, uh, just unplugging. I literally forgot to bring my cell phone with me and I was cell phoneless for a whole week. You know what? It was awesome. It was literally awesome. Um, I kept wanting to check my phone. Now it proved it proved challenging in certain steps where I was off with one kid and my wife was off with the other kid. And then it's like, oh yeah, just like the old days. We'll meet here in 20 minutes. We'll meet back here in half an hour. You had to arrange and schedule things. You couldn't just text, okay, I'm done. We'll meet you at the food court or whatever. We couldn't do any of that stuff. So it was it was challenging, but it kind of harkened back to the good old days. Boy, it's not like an old man, but it, it harkened back to the the old days of of that that that's how you did things. Um, yeah, especially you know when you're traveling, if you're on the road and you're driving somebody somewhere and you're going to meet family somewhere. Okay, we're going to meet here in such such time, such such date, and um, you couldn't use a, a a telephone like you couldn't go to a phone booth and call somebody, and you just weren't able to do that. So. So anyway, uh, this is one, like I said, I wanted to do for a while. So this is, as you can hear from the intro to the show, which we used a different intro today, the intro to the show was a bit more metal in its delivery. And there's a reason for that because we we're talking metal today. And I feel guilty doing this without Corey Geek, but I'm going anyway because need an episode. It is currently Friday. We need an episode for Monday. I don't have a lot of time. So this is what we're doing. So, as many of you know, I like many forms of music, but I will have to say that one of the benchmarks of my musical literacy, if you want to call it that, or the style of music that forever changed me and, and 
was the first one to really expand my palate was metal. Now, when I grew up, I was raised on the Beatles and the Ventures. This was an influence from my dad. He had a lot of those records and he would put those on the record player and play them on this uh, tube amp, tube amp record player. So it played through tubes. It's a fantastic piece of uh, technology. And Todd's talked about this at length. Dad would plug his bass into this thing and play along to the records. It was fucking awesome. So we had that. And then later I discovered Kiss through my cousin Randy. And then ABBA. Mom kind of got into a big ABBA phase. So I kind of got into ABBA. So there was all these different styles of music that were kind of coming through, but there wasn't any one style of music that was um, permeating or that was saturating my, uh, my, my noggin or my interests until metal. So I, I know kiss kind of gets lumped into the metal category, but they're not quite metal. They're more a rock and roll band. And um, they did have periods of being heavier and some would even call metal, but I was kind of uh, oblivious to the whole metal thing. In 1984, my world was spun upside down again by Van Halen. But again, Van Halen wasn't really metal. They did go hard. They had songs that were pretty heavy. So, you know, songs like Atomic Punk, um, I'm on Fire, you know, stuff like that. A lot of that kind of trended into what became, I guess, hair metal and that sort of stuff. But there was another form of music that was just heavier, that had a bit more edge. And I think at first I was a little, I mean, I hadn't heard Black Sabbath or anything at this point or Judas Priest or anything like that. So for some reason, I had no idea why my brother picked this cassette up, but it was an album called Metal for Breakfast. Here's the promo, the original promo from 1984 for this cassette. You, are you ready? All in one dynamite album. You get exact Ozzy Osbourne, YMT, and Lee Aaron. From Merciful Fate, Saxon, Killer Dwarves, Ted Nugent, Judas Priest, and Blotto. Metal for Breakfast. 12 original artists on one LP and chrome cassette. Available in all record and apartment stores. Now, in that ad, notice it said available on LP and Chrome cassette. Yeah, I remember that, man. That was that was a thing. I can't remember why, and I don't know if this is really different. But at this point, I wasn't really that aware of too much else going on. Like my brother was listening to Rush. Don't know if he was listening to Triumph yet. Um. But I mean, there wasn't really much beyond that. Like th this was, you know, th that, that was the heaviest I was listening to. And then Todd brought this home and I have no idea how this, he stumbled upon this or how this became, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how this came home, but uh, for those of you that haven't seen the album, it will be hopefully the thumbnail for this episode. I'm going to use the album, but uh, the album um, had this long haired, metal dude i mean he looked pretty metal man and for me a young kid seeing this i'm like this guy's metal he's got on the leather jacket the white t-shirt the kind of teased hair kind of curly uh i'm gonna say the ingve malmstein hair haircut 
metal for breakfast written on the top. He's got a bowl of ball bearings and he's pouring milk into his bowl of ball bearings, his bowl of ball bearings. And if you flip the cassette on the other side, his face just dunks into the bowl of ball bearings. Now, what the fuck was this? Where did this come from? So there's a story here, and this is going to tie into another episode that I really, really want to do with Corey Geek. And it's very key for Corey Geek and I to do this. And specifically, the timing of doing this is very, very critical. So this is going to feed into that episode, trust me. So Attic Records, based in Toronto, they wanted to showcase some of their bands they had on the label. Now, I could be getting some of this information wrong. I'm literally... um, uh, I'm literally kind of going by memory and then a kind of a quick wiki wiki search, but um, I, I kind of want to go through track by track. I'm going to play a little bit. Hopefully this doesn't get pulled. If it does, well, whatever, I'll just post it again. So, but the, the prime reason I'm playing clips is because there's a lot of songs on here. People may never have heard. I will list the entire track listing and the label they're on etc etc because i want to make sure people go search this music because this is the album that made me go oh i like i really stood up and listened and the first time i listened to this album i'm going to tell you there's a few songs i liked there's a few songs i just didn't get because i was too young i couldn't understand what was going on this is kind of way 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 beyond my uh my capacity but i will say um it had a very international pedigree on here, which was, I really, really, really appreciated. Um, there was a lot of Canadian acts. Um, and there was one band that wasn't a metal band, but they had the most metal song on this album. And in fact, when I think back on this album, this is one of the tracks that always stands out this and another which just feeds into the later episode we're gonna do so let's start from the beginning the track opens with anvil forged in fire now didn't like it at the time this was one of those just too heavy too crazy too dangerous for me too just fucking weird for me like it now now i wonder if we're gonna be lucky enough no. Well, okay, I'm going to play the song now. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my God, does it sound so good? Oh my God, so good. So good. <laughs> so, okay, um, I, I, how old was I in 1984? I'm going to do the math here. 
And I mean, you guys already know how old I am, right? So let's see. So this was released. So I was 13, all of 13 years old. I'm just trying to figure out what year this was released. Yeah, it was 1984 because the commercial is from 1984. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So this came out in 1984. This is, you know, post Van Halen being released. I don't know what month it was released in. I can't seem to get a full wiki on it, but um, this is the opening track. And if you want to talk metal, this song is fucking metal. And I know Chris L from the Pod Thunder podcast fucking hates these guys. I know Chris Jericho. Is a huge fucking mark for Anvil. He's even a what isn't he even a member of the Anvil uh fan association, whatever the hell they're called. Chris L, listen to this fucking song. <laughs> I really want to know your opinion on this one. The song that you guys listen to is probably not the appropriate song to be listening to. Uh, you know, no offense, Jericho, but I think this would have been a better uh a song to listen to. And I think the Jones brothers would have got a kick out of this fucking one. And, and, and I'm curious now. I'm very curious. And I have I, I just started listening to In Obscuria podcast, which um, I'm a huge mark for that show. That show is really fucking good. I'm really late to the party. I don't know how. I mean, there's a lot of episodes to go through. They're all roughly, you know, an hour and a half, two hours long. I'm trying to go through the back catalog, but I, I'm, just, I'm just not getting there. I have a show to make. But I'm really I'm going to go through the catalog. and I'm very curious if they've actually covered this album at all and if they haven't i strongly suggest they do because this is like fucking life-changing album for me and uh and it's got a lot of bands on here that everyone should fucking hear especially canadian shit which is really good canadian metal is good dude um so um anvil forge of fire like i mean just listen i just played a clip go find it um i believe anvil was one of those bands that was part of attic records uh, at the time and it was you know one is okay how do we break you know how do we break our bands how do we let's put a compilation together well you know we'll, we'll push a lot of our own material out there and maybe attic had a deal with some of the other bands for distribution canada i'm not really sure i don't know any of that stuff i'm not going to talk out of my ass it's going to talk out of my experience so that was track one fucking killer now i didn't like it at the time but fuck do i love this song now it's it's, it's phenomenal it's phenomenal now the second track on this album was this one. Everyone knows that song. Everyone knows Uncle Ted. Whether you agree or disagree with his politics, this song still kicks ass. It is still a really crazy Motor City Madman song. It is balls to the walls. Now, this one, this one as a 13-year-old kid, 12-year-old, whatever, however old I was, um, this one I liked right away. Uh, this one was, was was cleaner. It wasn't as heavy as the Anvil song. 
But right away, this is one I liked, and this is the the song that got me to listen to a bunch of Ted Nugent. Um, I, I I'll admit I don't listen to as much anymore, and maybe it's the politics that have forced me out. But that being said, this song this is the song that turned me on to Ted Nugent, and um, I came around to Ted Nugent a lot quicker than I did Anvil. And I'm not a massive Anvil fan, but I did like that previous track. But Cat Scratch Fever, it's it's a classic Ted song. Um, uh, not to be confused with this Ted. Now that was Ted, the band from Winnipeg. Fucking best punk band of all time, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the real Ted, not the other Ted. Um, I mean, this song is, is catchy as hell. It's it's less heavy than the other stuff. It's a little, it's a lot more accessible than the opening track. But still, you know what? The the blend of this album was kind of blending a little bit of heavy and a little less heavy to try to help people get along, like get into it and give a little bit of flavor of a few different styles. We're not going to talk about this song anymore. It is probably his most popular song of all time. Let's move on to the next one. Now, this, this did not like it the first time. I'll admit it was too heavy for me, but I was admiring things in it. And it was the one I came around to probably the quickest of the heavier tracks and uh, became a lifelong fan. And this was my introduction to this band. This was Canada's introduction to this band. There's a music video that came out of this. Um, which we've covered in a previous episode. And once I play this track, you'll know which band we're talking about, which song it is, or unless you're looking at the track listing for Metal for Breakfast, you already know, but let's not spoil it for the other listeners. Here it is. Here is track number three. really had to stop it there i wanted you guys to hear mr daryl dwarf on fucking drums jesus christ oh he's a monster i love it so fucking cool daryl dwarf you are so fucking cool anyway third track killer dwarfs i'm gonna tell you hearing this song again it was like i don't know what the fuck to make of this 
I don't know if I, I, I kind of didn't like it at first, maybe on the first listen. The second time I was kind of like, fuck this singer, this singer is so good. I wasn't playing drums yet. I started playing drums like two or three years after I heard this album. But going back, it's like, fuck those drums. All that shit. And Rust Dwarf. And to be honest, man, that intro to the song. And the fucking guitar work and the bass. Everything is so fucking tight on this song. So fucking good. So fucking good. How could you not? So you're listening to Metal for Breakfast. You've heard Angel Forge of Fire. Maybe a little too heavy, a little too uh, doom, doomy, too met, too doom metal. You get into ta- cast cards, you're like, yeah, 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 right on. You know, you get a little, little more catchy. And then you get into this song and you're like, who the fuck are these guys? You can't understand, like for me, for me, I couldn't understand this the first time I heard it. Killer Dwarfs, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? So now I'm like, okay, who are these guys? Who are these guys? The Much Music Power Hour. When did that start? I think the timing of this, Much. Oh, God, Luna. Hello, Much Music Power Hour. The dog wants to go pee. We're going to pause this right now. So I took the time to put my dog to go pee. That'd be the wonderful Luna. Thanks, Dad. She's awesome. Anyway, uh, I also took the moment to <laughs> confirm when did the Pepsi power? So it was called the Pepsi Power Hour, sponsored by Pepsi. Pepsi was pretty big in Canada at the time. Let me tell you, they were sponsoring everything. They were sponsoring Michael Jackson, but not as big a sponsor as the Pepsi Power Hour. So this started in 1986. Ran to 1991. And this was the first place I saw Killer Dwarfs, Heavy Mental Breakdown. Holy shit. So fucking cool. To see the video and to see these guys, like, who the hell are these guys? They didn't look like everyone else. They didn't look like everyone else. Now, this is this is a metal band, and they were more akin to Iron Maiden and bands like that, the British wave of heavy metal. You know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, those those sorts of bands, and um, and as we learned, we had Daryl Dwarf on the show, and we kind of talked about the history, and um, I can't remember if this came from our interview or if this was from his book, which is you have to go read. Um, uh, Russell Dwarf's biography, the first of three, is really good, and it talks about um, how they got started, how they got signed, uh, signing to Attic, what that meant. Well, it meant being on this freaking compilation. This meant making a, a music video that got a lot of freaking play on the Pepsi Power Hour. When the Pepsi Power Hour came out, that show was fucking huge in Canada. If there's any Canadians to the show, I think you can attest to how big this fucking show was in the 80s. It was the show, and we all tuned in. We never missed a minute, and most of us, with our VCRs, recorded every fucking episode. I certainly did. I wish I had all those tapes. But that's how you find out, how you found out what you wanted to listen to. This is the place to find your metal and to know what bands you liked, what albums you should go to Sam the Record Man and go buy. This, this, this is the show that did it. But before that show was this album. 
So this album was limited to the number of tracks on it. And then you were done. It was one and done. And you could just go back and listen and listen. And then, you know, you would go find these albums and, and that's on the record, man. But the show Pepsi power hour, which we have to do a whole episode on the Pepsi power hour. You Americans have no idea how show, how big the show is. <clears throat> but you Todd Kearns would uh, concur with the Pepsi power hour. In fact, they might have even played a song of his old band on there, I'm sure. But anyway, that was Killer Dwarfs, man. Heavy mental breakdown. Fucking awesome. Let's get to the next track. Track four. <laughs> First time I heard this album. This is now I'm I'm recollecting listening to this album for the first time, listening to it on cassette. It didn't play back then. You didn't skip tracks. It was too fucking hard to skip a track. You listen to track by track by track by track. You get to this one. You you heard the beginning. You heard the intro. I have to admit, one of my favorite drum intros ever to any song. Simple. Ba boom, ba boom, boom, boom. Like how they get into the song. I don't know how many times I've ripped this off and emulated that sort of stuttering beginning. Like, what are you going to do with the drums? You're kind of not really doing anything, but you're kind of like trying to figure something out done that many many times and the the the, the stutter that's going on in the drums I, I use it maybe a little too much but it's really good and then this voice comes on now this this meant metal to me this is look unique voices metal has unique voices we're not hearing the Whitney Houston's of the world or the Mariah Carey's of the world no we're not we are not hearing these types of voices in metal we're hearing unique distinct voices voices with a lot of power a lot of zest and a lot of just force that's metal that's metal this guy udo great fucking singer now this is another one now keep in mind the timing of this album the timing of much music the timing of the pepsi power hour this got shown quite a bit so Heavy metal, heavy metal breakdown, balls to the walls were two prominent plays on the Pepsi Power Hour. And we got to see the video for this. Now, as I'm being introduced to metal, I'm seeing all these guys with this super long hair, you know, just metal as fuck. Leather, chains, spikes, all that stuff. And then you see Udo come out, the singer for Accept, with his short blonde hair. And, he, and he's not he's not svelte 
But for me, and we've talked about this before, Corey and I have talked about this before. This made Udo even fucking cooler. Because he's like, I don't give a fuck what you, what, what I look like. I'm me, and I can sing like a motherfucker. And he does. He's fucking awesome. This song, even there's a little uh, a breakdown in the middle of the song where you're hearing the sound of like, it sounds like balloon. That, like, you know, when you rub your hands on the balloon, it's got that. Go listen to the song. You know what I mean? And it's got this, this sound. And he's basically, he's grinding someone's fucking balls in his hands. And then the video, you've got the fucking um, um, wrecking ball. This is the original wrecking ball, folks. <laughs> this isn't Miley Cyrus. Wrecking ball, breaking down a wall. Everyone's headbanging against this wall. We're getting introduced to the concept of headbanging. What the fuck is headbanging? What the fuck does that mean? I don't know, but I see people headbanging against the wall, which is probably the Berlin Wall. I'm guessing is what they're trying to, because this is a, a German band, knocking the fucking wall down by headbanging. A united front of metalheads breaking the, the wall down metaphorically, physically. Fucking cool as shit. Cool as fucking shit. This is metal. This is people uniting behind us, a, a music together. That's what metal was. And this song was indicative of the movement of metal. This song was a, uh, a, a, a note telling to the world, this is how metal is represented. What do you think of that one? So except Balls to the Walls, track number four. Now, on to my favorite track of the fucking album. Sensations coming over me, something I can't explain. Suddenly there's an endless void where I used to keep my brain. I gotta see a doctor, but I'm too wasted to phone one. Wanna customize my van and Okay, I'm probably not the only one that feels this way, that loves this album like I do, but this was the centerpiece of the whole fucking album. Now, I, 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 have, to, I have to make a point of interest. I did not even know there was a video for this song because I don't ever recall seeing on the, on the Pepsi Power Hour. Maybe it played on there. Maybe it was an episode of Mist. I don't know. Didn't always have much music. So sometimes to watch a show, I had to go to people's houses because they did not have cable. So did not see this video until like the last. Corey and I watched it, actually. That, that's when we watched it. So it was within the last few years that I actually saw the video, never realizing there was one, never knowing anything about this band. So we kind of went down a rabbit hole. This is going to be an episode all about this band and this song. I don't want to cover too much of it here because this is a full episode. Um, but suffice to say, there's confusion as to who this band is. It seems like they're a bit of a 
quote unquote parody band, not quite at that weird Al level of complete parody, but sort of a, they didn't just do metal. So they did this song, but the lyrics of this song captures to a young 12, 13 year old boy. Okay. You heard these previous songs on the album. But now we're going to explain to you what it means to be a metalhead. We're going to explain to you if you are freaked out by this music, you don't know what it is, but you're curious as hell and you want to know more about it. This song tags everything that being a metalhead is. And maybe it can come across as a bit cheesy, but for a young kid who's severely being influenced by this music, who's like mind is being blown wide open to what this music is this song is literally telling you how to become a metalhead now i didn't understand all the references in the song but i do now i didn't at the time because i was too young i didn't understand what half this shit meant i didn't know uh who heaven was there's a line heaven on the on the eight track you know i i I didn't know who that was anyway the best song in the album Easily, as a young kid, it was the most influential song on the album, hands down, no question. That was that one. And I believe, if I recall, this was the end of side one of the cassette. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't really matter. Now, side two opens with this, and this is officially the sixth track of the album. The songs on this fucking soundtrack, compilation, whatever you want to call it. This song hits it. They like they picked the songs so specifically, so meticulously. They tried to capture and point out and give a portrait to a young man what metal is. And this song continues that identification of what metal is is this song 
this album had a statement to make. And in this song, the metal imagery in the lyrics is fucking dead on. Now, here is something crazy for those times. A chick singing metal. Yes, controversial in those days. And Lee, Aaron, had a really hard time getting into the industry. And there was a whole bunch of... um, uh, I, I, I don't know the word. There's a whole bunch of chances for her to fail at that career. And there's a whole bunch of people betting against her. And the people that were betting for her didn't really have her best interests at heart. Guys are scuzzy. Not going to lie. We suck. But... Lee Aaron persevered. She made her impact and she was fucking Canadian. Now, that made it cooler for me. You know, finding out later that the Killer Doors were not, in fact, British, but they were fucking Canadian too? Are you fucking kidding me? From my fucking country on this compilation, which I didn't realize was Canadian at the time. Lee Aaron, Canadian. Holy shit. Killer Doors, Canadian. What? Anvil? Canadian? Are you fucking kidding me? As I learned more about metal, and hey, we didn't have the internet back then, so we didn't know what the fuck was going on. We didn't know who these bands were. We had to go buy Hit Parader or Circus or any of those uh, periodicals, whatever you want to call them. We had to go to those things to find out who these people were. And let me tell you, Canadian representation wasn't as strong as it needed to be in those magazines because Canadian metal is fucking mental. Lee Aaron kicked ass. The video for Metal Queen was holy shitballs cool. It was metal as fuck. She had a voice. This was like Ann Wilson from Ann Wilson, is that right? The singer from Heart. This was, she had the fucking power. She had the grit in there. She sang like, like a fucking banshee. She was cool. Did have a crush on her. I mean, we all did. All, all men did and everyone that you know likes women um did and she was cool and she kind of she kind of evolved her career to take charge of, of herself because hey sexist macho bullshit that was going on especially in metal for sure um she persevered man and she's cool she's still cool as fuck she hasn't lost anything she's still the metal queen and this, this, I mean, this song is cool. It's just cool. And the cool thing is, too, back then, they were trying to market her. But I mean, this, she writes her her music. She does play guitar. So she's not, she wasn't like, okay, we need a, a chick, a metal chick. So we're just going to take a pretty face. And we're going to give her songs to sing. It, it didn't really, it didn't really work that way, man. Lee was a force of nature. Still have so much fucking respect for this lady. Cool as hell. Let's move on to the next track. Track number seven. She used to be an iron horse 20 years ago. Used to bring the mail to me through the ice and snow. I've sat alone and watched her steaming through the night. Tons of thunder, lighting up the sky. She was the princess 
All right. I'm going to be honest. I liked how this song started when I first heard it. And I really liked it. I, I liked that, da, 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 like that. All that, that, that was good for me as a kid. And I'm like, hey, that's catchy as hell. And then when they break into the chorus, back right off. And I'm going to admit, at this point of the album, I'm starting to tune out. I know Saxon, their importance in metal was, was very, very important. I understand that. I'm just checking here. I'm just, I, I'm just, you know what? Fuck. So this listing here has skipped a bunch of shit. So I'm going to have to go back and play a couple of things. Um, yeah, this is, uh, man. Okay, they skipped one, which we definitely have to go jump, jump back to. And they skipped another one. Okay, let's uh, let's go back here. So let's just finish off the song. I, I I don't like Saxon. I don't like the song. There's nothing here that just does it for me. Um, and then later, as I heard stories about Saxon um, and their feuds with other bands and some of the shit these guys are pulling. Um, sorry, I can't. Uh, I I just can't. That I honestly feel they don't belong on here. There's like. Okay, they didn't have Black Sabbath on here, and I'm sure that was a rights thing. They didn't have uh, Mountain on here, you know, or Deep Purple on here. There's a lot of other bands they could have substituted in, but I'm assuming there was a rights thing. It's like, oh, we can get Saxon. Saxon's cheap, you know, put it on the compilation. That'd be my guess. I'm not a Saxon fan. Um, hate me all you want. I just It just doesn't work for me. So let's go back to side A, the last track on side A. Now I gotta find it because I don't even know if it's fucking here. Now, this next song I did not like. I like it now. I like it a lot now. Actually, I'm a big fan of it now. But I did not like it at the time. I did not like the 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 vocal delivery. Uh, I didn't like anything about it. Just, just, just did, didn't resonate with it at all. Too fucking out there for me. Too metal for me. I love this shit now. But back then, it was just, and it really took me, it took me like 10, 15 years for me to jump back on the singer specifically who went quote unquote solo afterwards with a uh, long time track, which I think deserves its own fucking episode on our show. But uh, this was the last song on side A. I my apologize. I apologize for missing this, but here, here we go. Holy fuck. Listening to this now, can you understand my 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old brain fucking exploded on this? I could not catalog this. I could not 
place this anywhere. I didn't know what the fuck I was listening to. It was so fucking extreme for me at the time. It actually upset me at the time. I so like King Diamond now. So this was King Diamond's. I don't know if it was his first band, but it was the pre-King Diamond uh, phase of his career. The fucking falsetto, these incredible highs, these incredible lows, a vocal range that would make Mariah Carey Pierre Pence. Yes. Much better singer than Mariah Carey. Challenge me on that, motherfuckers. Mm. Okay, let's move on. Great track. Great song. Too big for my brain at the time. Merciful Fate. I, I, again, it's one of those things I got to do a whole episode on fucking Black Diamond and his history and all that shit. Like, has to be fucking done. There's no way fans are butts about it. Follow me? Okay. So then it was the Blotto song. Then it was Lee Aaron. Then it was Saxon's Princess of the Night, which doesn't belong on here at all. I don't fucking get it. So the next track. Now this. Now I I, I don't know if I would have picked this song as my next song. I thought to kind of to kind of get it across. I think they would have gone with the super catchy as hell track that was like their biggest hit that actually got played on like top 40 radio and stuff, but they went with this one. Are you ready? The Ripper! In for surprise You're in for a shakar In London town streets when the star classified, fired, fired, but you least expect me, but you turn your back. I'll turn, 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 turn. I smile when I'm singing, the shadows by the wall. I love when I'm creeping, but you see me. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> That's so fucking kills, man. Holy shit. I actually, I, I, I meant to put on like the album, like the album version of the song, and I put on a fucking live version of the song. And to watch Rob Halford, the singer of Judas Priest, this is The Ripper by Judas Priest, to see him perform this song. Oh, so cool. So fucking cool. When he does the whole attack, attack, attack. Sorry. I know Rob Halford, obviously. His control, his vocal control. This guy is a fucking beast. This was my first. I didn't hear you got another thing coming. No, this is my introduction to Judas Priest. Now, I'll admit at the time over my head, but lyrically, I was very invested. And I think I feel that Judas Priest was one of those bands and the reason of their inclusion on this was the sort of topics that you get in metal. You get storytelling, which you might not get in, in other music. Yeah, you got in Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, I guess. But it, it, it's, it's it, well, that's kind of a good story, you know? But you, you hear the Ripper and you're like, no, 
this is a story. They tell stories about metal, so horror or uh, post-apocalyptic like they did in their Turbo Lover video or whatever. Like, th- this shit's cool. Cool as fuck. Do you guys like the Ripper? I got to go back and listen to some more old Priest. I don't do that enough. I- I'm kind of more on the Painkiller album when it comes to Judas Priest. Painkiller, I love Painkiller. So good. But I think I need to go back and listen to some classic Priest. Let's move on to the most commercial, successfully, metal song on the album. And possibly one of the reasons this album was put together was to um, jump on the bandwagon bandwagon of how big this fucking song was. The song was huge, dude. Massive. Absolutely massive. Um, it is the biggest selling debut album of any band I'm sure that's changed since then, but uh, let's see if I can find it here. All right. You know this one. I'm only going to play a couple of bars. Okay, you all know that one. I'm not, I don't need to continue with that. You all know that one. How could you not know that one? Um, I'm glad they went with this one and not come on, feel the noise. This song was the metal, like they released of the two of two singles being released. Here's the one for the radio. Here's the one that everyone can identify. They can kind of dance along to our song. However, this this is the metal song. And I don't think the Quiet Riot was truly a metal band. They're more of a hard rock band. I mean, this is Randy Rhodes' band before he joined Ozzy. It was, it was, it was catchy as hell shit. It was good stuff. Um, it, 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 this was the advent of hair metal. Hair metal was on the rise here. There was bands like um, Quiet Riot and, um, and Rat and Wasp and those guys kind of and Motley Crue kind of this was the the beginning of the whole hair metal scene and, and they were part of that scene so they were more on the hair metal side of metal but I mean you can't deny the greatness of this song I know I, I'm, I'm sick of it because I've heard it so many times that being said I just heard a big bloop, bloop. I don't know what that was but anyway moving on Um, moving on. Anyway, um, I mean, it is what it is. Let's move on. The the, the next track is interesting. Uh, I've never considered these guys metal, but they kind of fell into the whole uh, hair metal grouping. Even though they never were hair metal, they were more like a a hard rock and band. This band is excellent. Now, would I put them on metal for breakfast? No, I put them on hard rock for breakfast. But that. It's not as catchy uh, album title, I guess. But nonetheless, a, a, a very good band. Uh, I, I can't say anything bad about these guys. These guys are so fucking talented. And they never rose to the level they should have based on their talent because they weren't hair metal enough. And other bands eclipsed them because they are all pretty boys. But these guys were just a mean. It kind of tips the hat, doesn't it? Here we go. 
Okay, you can't deny that one of the best vocalists in rock was this guy from YT. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know a lot about them. All I know is I recorded a lot of the videos off of the Pepsi Power Hour every week so I could go back and listen to them because back then owning a cassette for every metal band or every hard rock band that you liked was very costly. You could never do it. But hey, good song. Not quite heavy enough for this album, I would think, but hey. I give wine tea all the props in the world. Um, my, my friend Tracy, uh, who I used to go see some hair, a lot of hair metal shows with, huge wine tea fan, and she pushed them on me all the time. And I couldn't deny how great they were. And there's a lot of tracks that I never would have heard without her assistance. Excuse me. That's the that's the Kraken talking. But anyway, um, it is a good song. Uh, probably not my favorite wine tea song. But, I mean, uh, uh, an average song of theirs is probably better than uh, a, a lot of other hard rock bands at the time. But, again, this is Metal for Breakfast, and I kind of felt like it didn't need to be included on here. But at the same time, I was happy to see Y&T get some exposure because they are that fucking good. The final track, now, uh, in retrospect, it's like, wow, could you be more obvious? But at the time, not obvious at all. Uh, it was a representation of what was going on in metal at the time. One of the biggest artists, biggest selling artists of all time um, the, on his debut album after getting shit can from the band he was in before. Now, it was interesting that they were able to get this person on this compilation and not the band he was from on the compilation, which I think would have been a bit more appropriate. However, you can't deny the power of Ozzy Osbourne and this song. I don't think we need it anymore. You all know that song. I would have preferred Mr. Crowley or something else from that album. Now, I understand the appeal of selling records at the time and including this song on here, including Metal Health on here, guaranteed that you're probably going to get a platinum selling record out of this compilation. Having those two on there was, is key in, in providing that. And Mr. Crowley might not have cut it but they use mental health and not come on feel the noise. So that, you know, that was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a thing and including some Canadian metal on there probably helped with ASCAP and uh, the Canadian songwriting federations or whatever they call it. It sounds like wrestling, but whatever. Anyway. Um, hey, I can't, I can't fault using this, but I will tell you if I had metal for breakfast, I would cut out a few tracks on here and probably, supplant them with other ones and actually i'd be very very curious to the listeners right now if you could take out three tracks because that's probably how many i would take out let's confirm that how many would i take out? i would take out one take out a replace i'd take out one two three four i would take out four tracks so if you could take out four tracks of the album which ones would they be and which ones would you replace them with very very interested to hear that maybe that's a whole other episode we'll see we'll see we'll see what we're going to do but anyway that was metal for breakfast the one of the most influential moments of my life was listening to this album 
being introduced to so many fucking great bands. My love for Killer Dwarf started on this fucking album. My love for Lee Aaron started on this album. My love for um, Except Anvil. Like a very good album. And and it the fact that Attic is like a Canadian or the Canadian arm or something or whatever, but it was a very Canadian album with Canadian content and representing Canada, which was very, very important to me. This album was key. This was the precursor to getting into Pepsi Power Hour. And this is the album that made me want to watch more, wanted me to find the Pepsi Power Hour and find a way to watch the show that I didn't have because it didn't have cable. Until we had cable, we found a way to get cable. And that's a whole other story we covered on another episode. But anyway, it's just this album is, it, 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 it's, it's key. It, it, it's mythological in its status in metal for me in Canada. And I'm curious how many other Canadians this was their gateway to metal. And I really want to know what bands you guys would have included on here. I'm, 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 I'm going to write down right now the bands I think you're going to include that weren't included on here that, like, why wouldn't these be on here? I mentioned a few at the top of the hour, but I really want to hear what you guys have to say. And again, if this album gets taken down, I'm just going to post it again because all I'm trying to do is promote people to go buy the music that was on this album and buy the compilation even. It's available out there. I think it's on Amazon and shit. You can go buy it, but I would strongly suggest use this as your gateway to discovering metal that you might not have heard yet. Uh, so my standouts on here, I, I've already mentioned them, but standouts are for sure the Killer Dwarves, Heavy Mental Breakdown, Except Balls to the Walls, Blotto Metalhead. Those are, those are the mains. I Again, the my favorite track off this album is definitely Blotto. And um, the, the trifecta of Blotto, Except, and Killer Dwarves really opened a lot of other bands that I might not have listened to if I did not listen. I didn't own this album. <laughs> There's another story to tell here. Let's hit it now. My brother bought this album. I said that earlier. But I used to steal it, bring it into my room. I had this yellow fucking ghetto blaster. I think it was yellow. I think that was the one I had. No, I didn't have the yellow. It was the gray and black. And I used to listen on there endlessly. And I probably stretched the fuck out of Todd's tape and it didn't work anymore. And he didn't know why. And he's like, ah, oh, these goddamn cheap cassettes. Well, it was my fault because I played it over and over and over again. Until we got to get much music. And I used to watch a lot of much music. But this is it. Thanks for listening. This is uh, our more metal-centric moments of our show. Which I'm going to have guests to talk with me on these. Generally, it's going to be Corey Taze because Corey is my metal buddy. He's the guy. He's my metal. He's my metal dude. I'd love to get other people coming on here to talk metal. I would like you to message me at Sean Geek Podcast on any social media you want. Reddit, even if you want. Uh, even on fucking LinkedIn. But message me. Let me know what you think. Um. And like, give suggestions. If there's something you want me to talk about, even if it's something I haven't heard before, I'm open to listening to music. 
unlike a lot of shows out there that that, that, that center on a particular band or a particular style of music, I'm going to listen to stuff, but I want to keep this segment or this side of the show about metal to be about metal. I'll cover any kind of metal you want. Hey, um, I listen to everything, man. Like there is no level of heavy that's too heavy for me. And I've also listened to the, the, the poppiest metal as well. Like I, I like, the, I like the spectrum of things and all kinds of music, but for the metal segments, um, I, I, I don't know how you want to address it. Maybe you put this in the subject line. You can send me an email at blindshriek at hotmail.com. That's B L I N S H R I E K at hotmail.com. Or, just go to seanmcginnity.ca. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-G-I-N-I-T-Y dot C-A because we're in Canada, dudes. Send me an email. Send me a message on social media. You can private message me. I don't care. Reach out to me. Tell me what you want me to talk about. And if you want to be on the show and you want to talk metal, fuck, I'll have you on all day long. I've got uh, a list of guests that I, I definitely would like to, to bring on and, and talk about stuff. For sure. Todd Kearns, if you're listening. Or Brent Fitz, you're in Winnipeg, dude. Just give me a fucking call. Okay. That's the show. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Fans of the Sean Geek Podcast, this is the Core Geek talking at you. Did you know that the Sean Geek Podcast has merch available? That's right. Head on over to SeanMcGinnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. You'll be taken to the Sean Geek Podcast store on TeePublic, where you can find the Sean Geek Podcast logo on t-shirts, totes, masks, and more. And best of all, a portion of the sales goes to help support the podcast and allow Sean and Todd to keep bringing great content your way. Once again, go to SeanMcGinnity.ca and click the merch link at the top of the page. And while you're there, don't forget to download the latest episode.